Section 18 of A Day at a Time by Archibald Alexander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Section 18. The Equipment of Joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Let us talk about joy, and especially that kind of it which Nehemiah was thinking when he said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. It is strange that while practically everybody would agree as to the wholesomeness and the duty of joy in the ordinary sense of the term, to add the words of the Lord to it seems, to some, completely to alter its character, and in fact to spoil it, to turn it into an unreal sort of joy, which is not true joy at all. I wish emphatically to protest against such a conception of religious joy as an injustice to the father love of God. The joy of the Lord, as I understand it, is not different in quality from wholesome human gladness. It is, in fact, just that gladness deepened and sanctified by the sense of God and the knowledge of Him brought to us by Jesus Christ our Lord. There is not a single innocent and pure source of gladness open to men and women on this earth, but is made to taste sweeter when they have opened their hearts to the love of God. It is the very crown of happy living that is reached when a man can say, My Lord and my God. Once I have dared to accept the wonderful truth that even for me the Eternal Father has his place and his plan and his care, every simplest happiness, every common joy of living, every delight in the beauty of the world and the pleasures of home and work and friendship, every one of these takes on a keener edge. It is a pestilent heresy to declare that a Christian ought to walk through life like a man with a hidden sickness. On the contrary, there is no one who has a better right to be joyous and happy-hearted. Do you think it is for nothing that the joy of our salvation is a Bible phrase? And shall we believe that salvation is ours and not be mighty glad about it all the time? What is the good of translating gospel as good news and at the same time living as if religion were a bondage and a burden grievous to be borne. Of all the strange twists of human convention, it is surely the strangest to allow ordinary human joy to be happy and cheerful, and to insist that those whose joy is in the Lord should pull a long face and forswear laughter and crawl along dolefully as if to the sound of some dirge. The morning face and the morning heart belong of right to the truly religious, and no one ought to be gladder, come what may, than the man who has made the highest and best disposal of his little life that anyone can make, namely, surrendering it in faith and obedience to his Lord. A gloomy, ponderous, stiff religion which looks askance at innocent merriment and is afraid to pull a long breath of enjoyment has the mark of damaged goods on it somehow, and no one will take it off your hands. It is not catching, and certainly your children will never catch it. It is said to be a good test of a religion that it can be preached at a street corner. But I know a better test than that. Preach it to a child. Set him in the midst of those who profess it. If their religion frightens him, freezes the smiles on his lips, and destroys his happiness, depend upon it. Whatever sort of religion it be, it lacks the essential winsomeness of the religion of Jesus Christ. I need not say, of course, that I am not pleading for a more hilarious religious life, and, equally of course, 
empty frivolity, and the cult of the continual grin are insufferable things to endure, either in the name of religion or anything else. Not by a single word would I lessen the condemnation which such aberrations deserve. But I do say, and with all my heart, I do believe that a deep, abiding wellspring of happiness, which our author calls the joy of the Lord, is of the very essence of true religion, and is indeed what he asserts it, actually our strength, actually our strength. Let us be quite clear about that. The man in whose heart there dwells this best of all joys is a strength to other people. We don't need anyone to prove that to us, I imagine. We have all been helped and revived many a time merely by contact with some hearty, cheerful soul. Who, for example, that had his choice, would elect for his family physician a man with a doleful air? Have we not all found that a doctor's cheery manner was as potent a medicine as any drug that he called by a Latin name? Aye, and even when we are in trouble, and our hearts are sad and sore, I think we would all rather see the friend whose faith in God showed in a brave and buoyant outlook than one whose religion was of the dowie and despondent sort. I have heard it said of an employee who had the gift of the joyous heart that the twinkle of his eyes was worth a hundred pounds a year to his firm. I could easily believe it, though the money value might well have been set at any figure, seeing that the thing itself is really priceless. Did not the most famous modern apostle of the duty of happiness, himself a signal proof that joy is something more than the mere easy overflow of health and animal spirits, did not Stevenson declare that by being happy we sow anonymous benefits, and that the entrance of such a person into a room is as if another candle had been lighted? I take it the proof is ample that a joyous heart is a strength to others. But more, it is a strength to oneself. That may not be so obvious, and yet the result here is even more certain. Ordinary experience tells us that joy is good for us, that depression and gloom work us bodily harm. But from one province of scientific study especially, there has come a wonderful array of evidence that makes it as certain as any fact can be that the happy states of mind do literally add to our strength in quite measurable directions. There is, in strict fact, no tonic in all the world like gladness. That being so, joy, and especially the best kind of it of which Nehemiah speaks, is not a luxury, not a condition you may legitimately cherish if you are fortunate enough to possess it. It is a sheer necessity. You can't do without it. Even to meet your sorrows, even to gird you for service, even to run your race without fainting, you need the joy of the Lord, which is strength. And since the Father has stored up such an abundant supply of it in this world of His, since it is knocking at our doors every day, and only our distrust and suspicion keep it outside, we know what to do to secure this good gift of God. We have only to open our doors and let it in and give it room. So take joy home and make a place in thy great heart for her and give her time to grow and cherish her. Then will she come and oft will sing to thee when thou art working in the furrows, ay, or weeding in the sacred hour of dawn. It is a comely fashion to be glad. Joy is the grace we say to God. Prayer 
Help us, O God, beyond our poor and forgetful thanksgiving, to show forth the praise of thy loving kindness by our joy and gladness. For thy great grace and mercy toward us, and for all the gifts of thy sleepless providence, we offer thee the joy of our hearts. Accept our offering, we beseech thee. Forgive its scant measure, and teach us to be glad in thee. For thy name's sake. Amen. End of section 18